Dating Skills Podcast is brought to you by DatingSkillsReview.com, the number one men's source for dating, sex, and relationships advice. Get the cutting edge advice now and create your ideal dating lifestyle. Angel Donovan here with episode 440 of Dating Skills Podcast. Today we're walking into the world of academia, where we're going to get closer to scientific research about internet porn and the way that it affects our brains. Why are we interested in this? We're interested in this because of the structural changes we're going to be talking about in the brain today and the changes in behaviors are directly related, related to inner game confidence and our sexuality. These are all really important aspects of dating and relationships. We'll also touch on areas like motivation, energy levels, and things like that. These are all directly related. And as you'll see, they can actually be tied to changes in the brain from using a lot of internet porn, which is pretty interesting. So today on the show, we have Gary Wilson, who has spent the last 12 years studying neuro the neuroscience of reward, sex, and bonding. About six years ago, this study led him to the subject of internet porn. And for the last three years, he's had a website named yourbrainonporn.com, which has been helping men recover from the use of too much internet porn with uh, some of the drastic effects it's had on them. We'll get into it in the show. In April 2012, Gary did an explosive TEDx in Glasgow named The Great Porn Experiment. Gary is also today part of the adjunct faculty at Southern Oregon University. To get today's show notes, the transcript, and the MP3 download, go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP40. That's slash DSP40, and you can get everything there. Now let's get to this interview. Great to have you on the show today. Uh, what I'd like to first do is uh, talk about rats and the Coolidge effect. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know, the first picture that's on my side is showing rats and the Coolidge effect. And what the Coolidge effect is, is the, well, here's what the experiment is. And this occurs with pretty much all mammals. So it's easier to do with the rats. You place the male rat with the female rat, and it'll copulate several times, but then it'll get sort of bored. But if you put in a new female rat, it'll jump up and start doing her. And then you put in a new female rat, it'll jump up and start doing her. So this is the brain getting all excited about sexual novelty. That's the key thing, sexual novelty. And this is driven by dopamine. So what's occurring is the rat is getting less and less dopamine in their reward circuit for the old rat, the old female, and now gets a bigger blast for the new female. And us guys can just relate to this, just our heads turning as we're walking down the street seeing right. some totally. cute girl, sexual novelty. So we get a little jump of dopamine. Now, sexual novelty is very powerful because the purpose is to spread your genes, supposedly, for males. So we are very attracted to nature's number one priority, novel mates, so we can spread our seed, so we can continue into the future. At least our genes will. Right. So you're saying that's a that's an evolutionary kind of kind of mechanism there. And yeah. This and that there's a bunch of you know experiments with animals. Obviously, they haven't done the same thing with people. Um, yeah. They well, he sort of has. 
uh, in terms of porn, okay. they've, uh, they've used porn and you watch the same picture and your arousal mm. goes way down. Then you do a new picture and all of a sudden your arousal and your excitation goes shooting up. Right. So yes, they've done this with porn with humans. Okay, so, so is, this, is this just for guys or is this applicable to women as well? Uh, they did an experiment just a few months ago, uh -huh. and it is applicable to women with porn, uh, and it is also applicable to mammals to a certain extent with females, but it's not quite as strong, and it's a bit more complex. Uh, female mammals, they get excited if they can control copulation. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's a more complex thing. The, the male mammals just need to see a new female, that's all. Right. It's, it's, a, very, <laughs> it's a very simple reaction to a new female. So, yeah. so I don't know, like any, any time that we, we, don't, we don't feel very stimulated about life, if, if we take a walk down to the beach where there's loads of pretty ladies walking around, is, you know, is that going to give us more stimulation in our lives? Is that kind of a lesson? Yeah, yeah I mean... The basic rule is that anything novel or new uh, shoots dopamine up. Now, you combine right. that with something sexual, which is almost universally appealing, mm. and then that really shoots it up. Great. So, is this, so you mentioned dopamine a couple of times there. Is this all about dopamine? No, it's never all about dopamine. Dopamine is the most well-studied <laughs> uh, neurochemical related to this. But it is a central player because it is the motivation. Mm -hmm. It is the motivation to go after a reward, whether it's food or sex or a new job. Without dopamine, there is no motivation. Mm -hmm. So dopamine isn't the real reward. Endorphins are the actual reward, like, ah, that really tastes good, or my, that was a great orgasm. Yeah. They think that's mainly endorphins mm -hmm. that do that. Okay, but so you're saying that, uh, so to, to explain to, to people who might not have read about dopamine before, dop dopamine is, is some kind of hormone in our bodies that motivates us to take action. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's, it's a neurotransmitter and uh -huh. it's in the brain, okay. it's not in the blood really. Mm -hmm. And it's released to motivate us to do anything that continues the survival of us or our genes. Mm -hmm. So whether it's seeking food, whether uh, looking for novel things, whether going after attractive a partner, even drinking water. Mm. Motiv dopamine rises to motivate us to do those things that uh, pro provide us with survival, I guess is the best way to describe it. Excellent. And, and, and it's also like if you're, uh, it's also long term, for example, putting off uh, certain rewards, let's say you're studying to get a degree, well, you're thinking about the long-term reward, and then dopamine rises to keep you focused on the long-term reward. So it's there for all motivation, for everything. Okay. So it, does it work with, I know, you know, I noticed you brought out the long-term reward there. Does it work with, is it involved in short-term reward as well? Because if we're talking about internet porn, surely that's a very short-term kind of motivation stimulus. Are you saying it works for both? Yeah, absolutely works for both, mm. and it's always spiking up uh, thousands of times during the day whenever you see something that's interesting or novel or you want to go after. Okay. It's just how it works. A good example would be you're getting hungry, and you're driving around, and you smell McDonald's, and all of a sudden your dopamine starts to soar. Mm. It's not because you're getting a reward. It says, could you stop at McDonald's and go eat a cheeseburger? 
And so when you go get the cheeseburger and order it, your dopamine is still surging to get you to do it. When you take the first bite, it goes up high. But as you go through the cheeseburger and start to get full, dopamine drops so you no longer feel the need to eat. All right, excellent. So would you say that dopamine is the primary motivator? You know, it's, it sounds like it's the more impulsive one. Um, is, are there other things going on, or is do dopamine really behind everything that kind of motivates us in life to take action? It absolutely, it absolutely is behind everything hmm. in terms of motivation. Yep. If you block it in animals or humans, there's no motivation. The famous experiments are they block it in rats, hmm. and you can put food in front of a starving rat, and it won't even have the motivation to wow. eat it. Wow, that's incredible. It'll simply die. So it is, uh, take dopamine away, and you've got some problems. Okay, right. So I I know for, I know from stories that I, I cocaine. Uh, I understand it is is it's dopamine that is behind the addiction with cocaine uh, versus some other drugs. Could you could you explain a little bit about that? Because I'm sure people can relate to you know uh, some of the drugs, the, the rock star kind of like you know what what all the rock stars go through and and how addicted they get to those kind of drugs. What kind of relationship do those drugs have with dopamine compared to? And I think heroin isn't so dopamine driven. Yes, every single addiction is dopamine driven, okay. whether it's every single drug that's addictive raises dopamine in a very specific part of the brain. Mm. Uh, I won't get too technical, yep. but it's, I'll just say it's called the nucleus accumbens. That's what all addictive drugs share, mm -hmm. and it's what all behavioral addictions share, is a rise in dopamine in a very specific part of the brain. Mm. So yes, whether it's nicotine or heroin or other uh, drugs, they have other effects and they have other pathways. But the final resting place, the final do domino that me that creates addiction is a rise in dopamine in a very small, specific part of the brain. Okay. Yeah. And so you have to, of course, chronically consume hmm. to uh, cause this dopamine to rise, to rise over a period of time, and then you start getting the brain changes that lead to the cravings and the inability to control you. Okay. Well, so, so you're saying that, you know, in, internet porn, uh, the use of internet porn, uh, that there's basically an, an abuse of it that's been going on, and, and it's something that you've noticed, and it's why, you, you, you know, you built this site and, and so on, kind of organically. Um, and... So would you say internet porn addiction is the same as some of these other kind of drug addictions uh, and potentially, I mean, we've heard of sex addiction as, as well. Is it, is it the same or is it different to these other addictions? And if it's different, how is it different? I think uh, you want to say that they all share certain characteristics. Mm -hmm. Not only do they raise dopamine, but they've researched in the last couple of years have found that all addictions involve the accumulation over time of another chemical called delta B, and delta B uh, turns on certain genes and starts to change the structure and functioning of the brain. Its real purpose is to cause craving. Wow. So, after, so if it accumulates over time, over chronic overconsumption of whether it's gambling or food or drugs, it causes the brain to crave the thing that you're over consuming and it's an ancient mechanism that's there for other purposes such well i won't get into those but it is hijacked with addiction 
So and, you, you just said something that really perks my interest there, as you said, there was a change in the structure of the brain. That sounds, yeah. that, that sounds, you know, that sounds very significant. Well, the brain is changing all the time, but this, these structural changes are very, very specific to addiction. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it re rewires together nerve cells yeah. associated with that event. So if you're taking cocaine and you've been taking for a long time and you become addicted, it rewires all the nerve cells associated with taking cocaine, whether it's uh, powder on a mirror or the place you take it or the friends you take it with, mm -hmm. so that whenever you get exposed to all those cues and triggers, it really blasts the reward circuit and raises dopamine and other neurochemicals really high to cause craving. Right. So that's what the, uh, occurs in addiction, and that's what Delta Fox B does, is it wires all these memories mm -hmm. together so that you get craving. Now, interesting enough, let's take it the next step. What was Delta Fox B there for in the first place? What did we have it for? It's to rewire all the memories associated with sex. Delta Fox B's original purpose mm. is, is to condition us to all the cues around sex so that we'll get really excited about sex and go after partners. So, Drugs are actually hijacking the innate mechanisms that evolved to get us rewired and excited for sex. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that is. Is that would that be associated with the kind of passion we have at the beginning of a relationship when we first kind of you know we, we meet someone and and we connect with them and you know the the first stages of a relationship is normally quite passionate. Is that is that what's going on there? No, not exactly. Okay. They don't think so. They've just done one experiment with uh, little animals called bulls that bond, and they wanted to find out, well, is Delta Fox, is it an addiction process? Because it certainly looks right. like an addiction process, mm -hmm. but evidently it's not exactly the same, and it doesn't involve Delta Fox C, but it does involve high levels of dopamine mm -hmm. in response to that one person. Right. So you, you've trained the brain, and they don't understand the mechanism completely, to release high dopamine for the one you have are attracted to. Now that's called the honeymoon neurochemistry, and that takes about if you really get into it, it, it can last for about two years, but it fades as all of us have experienced. Wow, exactly two years. Um, that's I mean that's that's longer than usual, right? Anyway, before we you know before we take it down another another road, let's let's get back to I mean, this is all interesting <laughs> stuff. So you know I'd love to talk to you about all of this, but uh, let's try and get focused here. So um, back back to the internet porn addiction. What what would you classify as an internet porn predict, uh, addiction? What I'm looking for is you know some some way to kind of quantify it for the people at home to kind of understand if you know if they like internet porn and they're using it quite frink, frequently, you know. How can they judge if it's bordering on an addiction or it's going that way versus, you know, it's, it's not a problem for them? So what kind of signals, you know, can, can they see in their use or, you know, quantification in terms of like how, how much are they using it uh, would tell them that maybe there's a the problem coming up now? Yeah, when I made your brain on porn, I was very focused on porn addiction because it was clear that all the guys that were showing up. Uh, on my wife's site were addicted. They were older guys. Yeah. Now, uh, in terms of effect, mm. I'm seeing that many of the younger guys who started out using internet porn, you know, when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, they may not be becoming addicted, but they're rewiring their brain to pixels, to porn, and, mm. and they're having negative effects like uh, they're 
sexual taste may be veering into very weird places or they may not be able to get excited by real girls, girls or boys as much as they used to. So I just want to put that out there is that you may be having negative effects without the addiction process, the complete addiction process. Okay, so in, in, but, when you say... I'll, when you say without the addiction, was, would that mean like maybe they're only doing it once a week? So there's not really that addictive element or, you know, once a month, you know, I, 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 can, you, can you give us some kind of reference yeah. points here just, you know, to make it more real for the people at home? Yeah, I think it's important to understand with any addiction that it's not how much you use, mm -hmm. it's how the brain changes. So we, we have heard of people who can drink like fish and then it can stop and have no problems. But then there's other people who may drink socially, but eventually become addicted. So it's what happens in the brain. So let's go back to your question. Uh, yes, some guys who young guys who quit and say, Oh man, it was easy to quit. I wasn't addicted. Mm. And I only used it maybe three times a week, mm. but they're, they're seeing other changes. Uh, because they used it for years and years prior to very much sexual experience that they trained their brain to need that kind of stimulus of clicking from video to video and being a voyeur in order to get excited. Mm. So that's, so you really have to go by the symptoms and you go by the symptoms by quitting. Uh -huh. But, but to answer your question about addiction, the first thing, uh, common thing with all addictions in terms of behaviors is continued use in spite of adverse consequences. Okay. Another one is the compulsion to use. Oh, I got to use, I got to use. Mm -hmm. Another one is the inability to control use. I can't stop even though I want to. Mm -hmm. And then finally cravings that arise. You'll be sitting there, boy, I got to use. So those put together are some of the signs that you may have an addiction to anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like give some kind of separation line to make it, because uh, some of these things tend to look, can, I could, I could imagine for the people at home, you know, is, is this a craving? Is this not a craving? It, it still remains a little bit kind of abstract for them to, I mean, what do you find when you're talking to men? Like, do they naturally know this is, I mean, obviously, like if they've searched for it and they've landed on your site, I think they already know. Um, but perhaps in other situations, like maybe where you've done presentations um, at more general events or something like that, is, is there like, are there more, more grounded in, in like the things that are actually going on in their lives, questions they can ask themselves to identify this? For, for me, like the obvious one would be like, you know, is this occurring six times per week or two times per week um, or, you know, once a month? I, you know, I... What, what would you oh, suggest? Yeah. I mean, certainly uh, you can look at how often you use as an indicator. But this is the problem with sex, isn't it? Uh, mm. We are going to crave sex, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, of course. And so it's a, it's a natural reward. Mm. If it was something like food, we could tell that we're addicted to it if we've eaten to obesity and we can't stop. But right. the sex is different. And, and now that this generation believes that masturbation mm. and internet porn use are synonymous, they're the same thing, mm. they often don't see any symptoms or negative consequences until they remove the porn. Uh -huh. So this is what's so tricky, is if you've spent your entire adolescence using porn, 
you don't know that it's affecting you until you stop. So that's why I'm giving this general uh, answer. Right. But yes, uh, yes, uh, the amount of use, if you're using it only once a month, clearly you're not addictive. Okay. If you're using it three times a week, you may not be addicted. In fact, if you're using it every day, you may not be addictive. Right. Uh, it, it really comes down to if you remove the variable for many months, then you can see how it's affecting you. That really is the best answer. Right, so that, that you have to test. You, you have you to really do an experiment saying, okay, I stopped today for how long? One month? What, how long would it take you to kind of notice something? Well, uh, if you stop and, and you start having cravings to use again, hmm. that lets you know that there may be something going on. In terms of recovery, a lot of the young guys, the motivation for stopping is to get back sexual function. So they then use uh, sexual desire or strong erections as their measurement of whether they're getting back to normal. Mm. And a lot of them take many, many months to get back to normal. Right. But if you, if, you, if you quit for 60 days or 90 days and see a lot of improvements in maybe other areas of your life, maybe you have more confidence, maybe you're more outgoing, maybe you have more energy, maybe you have more motivation, then you can judge that perhaps uh, using porn has affected you negatively, and you'll have to decide what to do about that. Right, right, totally. Okay, well, so how much, you know, how much of a problem is this? Like, how, how many people are we talking about, like, that are affected by this? I'm, you know, I'm sure you probably don't have any statistics. This would be pretty um, tough to get statistics on, but... Do you, you know, based, based on what you've seen so far, how prevalent do you think it is? And, and does that uh, differ by, you know, age group or uh, any other ways that it may differ across the population? Yeah, the, there's not very many good studies on uh, Internet porn in terms of use. One study, uh, we got the headlines for it uh, last, uh, just a couple of days ago, that said it's from Sweden. And it's saying that a lot more teenage boys are watching hmm. and where uh, to some, they said that what's going on is that they're watching a lot more. See, uh, studies tend to ask the wrong questions. They'll just say, okay, are you using? Right. But they don't quantify a lot of times how much. And what these new studies are finding is that many guys, here they say 10% of 16-year-olds are watching every day. So, you know, these are kids that are at a home and may not have all that much access. If is, this, is, it, is this, sorry, is this, is this like survey based where they ask some questions or is this them, them kind of spying to see? Cause you know, there's often, a, I think in this area in particular, there's a, there's a bias to responses. You know, how, how many guys are actually going to say that they're, they are using it? Uh, this is a survey and I think there is a bias where a lot of people won't answer things mm. correctly. But, yeah, they're seeing a big upswing in youth. Right. So the trend the, is clear. The trend is clear. And think about it. I mean, it, it's everywhere. And if you're a young 13-year-old and you're interested in sex, you're going to go searching. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to become addicted, mm -hmm. but it may affect you. Is it normal for a 12- or 13-year-old to sit and have uh, 10 windows open, 10 tabs open, and click from three-minute video to three-minute video of the hardest core possible. Mm. That didn't occur in my youth. We may have had a Playboy or two, but uh, when you're watching a video, it really is shaping your sexuality. 
when you're looking at a single picture of a naked lady, that's great. You're just imagining maybe feeling her up or something. It's not shaping your sexuality. Yeah. So I, so I, I think it, it's really a different animal. Okay. So I'm getting a sense uh, that, you know, that there's, there's kind of different problems depending on where, where you came into porn, right? So you, you've, you've spoken about the adolescent thing, which is, is, is very different because it's like our first experience is kind of setting us up for life. Um, you know, this is our first learning experience versus other guys that maybe started uh, getting on it afterwards. And you've already kind of separated those that the addiction kind of takes place more with older guys. And what kind of age groups have you been seeing, like who had the addiction to porn? Well, uh, interesting enough, just in the last three years, we've seen a huge change in the demographics mm. of many of the sites that link to uh, your brain on porn. Yep. It used to be almost all were above 36 years ago, uh -huh. and they were they definitely said they were addicted and many had sexual problems. Mm -hmm. Then in the last three years, up to 90% of the guys on these forums are 25 and under. And these okay. forums are where they're quitting porn or are having addiction problems or mm -hmm. other problems associated with porn. So since they're growing up with it, uh, they're having more problems, but neither of these really tell us the demographics or the statistics. Right, right. Well, you, I mean, but you seem like you've got kind of a, a, you know, there's a clear difference there. What kind of, are there difference in the types of issues they're struggling with? Like, so for the guys who are 30 plus, what kind of issues have led them, you know, what, what kind of problems in their lives that they've got from this have, have led them to try and find out more about it and take action? Uh, nearly all the guys who are 30 or 30 years or older decided to quit because of sexual issues, either erectile dysfunction, delayed yep. ejaculation, or they were uh, starting to get into porn that was really nasty and uncomfortable for them, like rape porn mm. or bestiality or transsexual porn. And that was the primary motivation. And when they quit, they could recover and, and get back to their normal sexuality much faster, usually within about two months, two to okay. three months. The younger guys, however, it's taking much, much longer for them to return to their baseline. Right, but it's the similar symptoms? Yeah, it's, of, it, yeah. it's a similar motivation because guys, they just like, man, I, wish, I would just continue to use porn except I'm starting to have problems. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, sexual issues are a big one. Other guys are just, my goodness, I'm spending my whole time just sitting in front of uh, uh, a computer and I'm not chasing real women. I right. think it's really affecting my motivation. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, th yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I, th I think what's interesting about the younger crowd, I mean, you're saying that, you know, th these guys, their first experience of sex is with porn itself, internet porn. So obvi obviously, like, the, 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 kind of, uh, the kind of sex depicted in, in porn is, of, is typically a, of, a, of a different nature to the usual sexual experience that you have when, when you know, you're, you're first dating when you're 17 or whatever. Um, so... I, does that affect the way they approach their first sexual relationships? Point? Yeah, there's, it definitely does because there's a big movement out there to say all we need to do is educate young guys that, oh, porn isn't real, women don't like to have you know ejaculated on their face, but they don't like to have double penetration, <laughs> none of this is real. So if you just tell young guys it's not real, then they'll be okay. However, what they're doing is not only are they learning badly about real sex, they're also training their brain to crave this. Remember how we said 
that chemical delta phosphate rewires the brain. Oh, this is how it's done. These are the sexual cues that they, they start craving some of these acts that may not have occurred if they never used porn. So even though they know it's not real, they are getting excited with maybe some acts or behaviors that aren't really appropriate for a girlfriend. Yeah, it might be harder to, to introduce to the uh, relationship, and you know, many girls may not may not like this kind of thing. I mean, there's always you know differences across the population, but uh, it may be a very specific type of girl that's into that kind of uh, stimulation or, or sex, and, and it really would be a minority. Um, so. I, I could see how that, you know, that, that would make it difficult for the guy to kind of be calibrated in his sex and to make sure that the, you know, the girl's enjoying that uh, process as, as much as he is. Yeah, that could be one problem. The other problem is guys would just get bored with one girl because they need the constant novelty of clicking from scene to scene to scene. So right. they're really training their brain for novelty. And that might affect relationships, I think. Right. So, yeah, it would be harder for them to, uh, you know, get involved in longer-term relationships and um, it promotes promiscuity and the motivation the motivation for that, which may not always lead to happiness. And I guess there are statistics. Do you know if there's statistics on increased promiscuity over time and it, maybe it's potentially related to this? Yeah, this is where it gets tricky. So there have been a few studies that correlated some uh, sexual behaviors with uh, yeah. internet porn use, like more promiscuity or uh, less condom use, right. uh, maybe group sex. But there's a real problem wow, with that type. Uh, but it's a small correlation. Mm. And there's a real problem with it because most of the young guys that we are seeing are having problems with sex. Porn has actually taken them out of the game. Uh, they don't have the motivation. Right. They're still virgins. They're having sexual problems. So you, what you have in a study is you have one group, which it may be causing more of these certain types of sexual behaviors or promiscuity, yeah. and then another large group that is taking them out of the game. So it's really mm -hmm. hard to see the actual picture. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And that's actually something that we, we've spoken about um, before on a podcast uh, is that one of the things sometimes we'll say to guys is like, you know, if, if you want to get more motivated, stop masturbating, right? Um, because, you know, if, if you're doing that all the time, you're going to be less motivated to actually go out and meet real women, um, to start dating, socializing, and so on. And, you know, of course, that connects di directly to internet porn use, which uh, always, I'm going to say this because maybe this is a question to you as well, always involves masturbation uh, as well. Is, is that right? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't always involve masturbation because now we have iPhones and we have people uh, watching it on the bus in okay. libraries. Right. Uh, so now we have it where people are just watching it uh, for 15 minutes while they're taking a bus ride. So, yes, at home, it almost always involves masturbation, but now you're getting that kind of stimulation throughout the day. Okay, that's interesting. So um, even without masturbation, this, this can cause symptoms? Is, is, that, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I don't see masturbation as the problem. I see porn use as the problem. Okay. You know, my generation, we masturbated just fine, and we didn't have these problems. So, and we still chase girls. That doesn't mean that cutting, cutting down on masturbation might not be helpful, but the new entity in evolution is in the last 15 years is high speed internet porn and watching all these videos and novelty. That's the new player, not masturbation. Would you say, 
you know, like I'm, I'm thinking from like one of the things we, we try to um, get guy, guys to do is to start taking action in their lives and to become more social and start taking control of their dating lives. Um, so like from, from that perspective, how, how could, because we've talked about masturbation a bit before, just because in biological terms, uh, I think, you know, if you are masturbating a lot, it kind of, it takes away that motivation. So, you know, there's, there's an upside to getting you more involved and more active in kind of your, your social life to, to not making sure you're not masturbating too much, right? Um, could, you, could you tie this in with the, uh, the internet porn as well? Does, does this make sense to you? Oh, yes. But one of the biggest positive effects that these thousands and thousands of guys experience are more motivation in every area of their life, especially chasing sexual partners and more confidence. Uh -huh. In fact, some of them who have been diagnosed with social anxiety, it really lessens or disappears, some mm. of them. So that's one of the big motivations for many of the guys is to get more confidence and get more motivation. And on a place like NoFap Reddit, they call it superpowers, but in actuality, it's just feeling normal. Uh, now, can this be explained neurologically? Well, we know that if you become addicted to anything, especially porn, you have a drop in dopamine mm. and dopamine receptors. Mm. And of course, that's behind motivation and sexual motivation. So maybe that plays a part. I don't know. But that's one of the benefits they often uh, experience. Great. Yes, yeah, so, because I know one of the things I saw on, on, on your site was you know, some of the negative impacts in behaviors uh, you talk about. And uh, there was desensitization. Um, so we're talking a little bit about that now, I guess, where okay. you're not as interested in some of the things that, you know, you were, you were interested in before, which inc includes dating and relationships. And I guess it's the, uh, you're, in a way, you're, it's desensitized motivation. We could, we could talk about that as well. So you're not as motivated to do all these different things in your life. Yeah, so we use the term desensitization as somewhat of a medical term to describe uh, an addiction process where you have low dopamine, chronically low dopamine, mm. and fewer and less sensitivity to dopamine in the reward circuit. Uh -huh. Now, this leads to less motivation. For example, what occurs if, like you're talking about a cocaine addict, if you take the cocaine away and they go through withdrawal, they have very little motivation because now they don't have the dopamine. Mm. Well... If you're sitting there watching porn every day for, for an hour or two and you're playing video games and you're getting all your stimulation uh, through something that is very, very stimulating, you know, clicking from video to video or right. playing World of Warcraft, yeah. real life doesn't really compare. Uh, it's just not as exciting. So just that simple model without any brain uh, chemistry involved can be used to show that the screen could be more exciting right, than real life. Right, right. So, so well, we're all, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, so so this says to me that you know, if you're feeling that you're not not taking action in things that matter to you, you know, rationally thinking, you're thinking like, you know, I should be doing more with this. Then this is really something you should start thinking about. You know, it's really important to take a look at this and you know, this area, internet porn, or even as you said, like gaming or some of, some some other aspect of, of your life, which is very stimulatory. This, this could be behind the reason that you're not acting on the things that are really important to you in your life. Yes, and I think everyone should, should try an experiment. I mean, we're willing to try experiments with food 
diet, exercise, and many things in our life. Mm. I mean, just give it up for 90 days like a lot of these guys do and see what happens. You can always go back and make up for it, right? Right, right, right. And so, so the other area you talk about is sensitization. How does that differ from desensitization? So desensitization is less response to everything in your life. Uh -huh. uh, food isn't, doesn't taste so well. You know, mm. uh, TV's boring. Sensitization is the excitement for your addiction. And mm. so this is a double-edged sword where you're excited to take cocaine or you're excited to drink alcohol or you're excited to gamble. Mm. And it really buzzes the reward circuit and makes dopamine really explode. That's an addiction process. And then desensitization is like, oh my, nothing else is exciting. So what occurs is the brain gets wired up in mm. sensitization to get a big blast of dopamine for the one thing it's addicted to. And yet at the same time, because of all this stimulation over time, the brain has less dopamine for natural rewards and normal everyday life activities. Okay, excellent. The, 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 the final one you, you, you note is uh, hypofrontality. Uh, which is, you know, sounds like a really complex term. Could you explain that for us? Yeah, so you're describing some of the major effects that occur in all addictions. Mm -hmm. And hypo means low and frontality means the frontal cortex. And what they've seen is over time, uh, as someone becomes addicted and their dopamine goes low, mm -hmm. then the frontal cortex starts to function less efficiently and, in fact, can shrink a little bit. And what does the frontal cortex do? Well, it is the place that is most human. It's the place that has our willpower, that has our motivation to go after bigger goals. It's about our memory. And, and it really is what happens is if it weakens, then our impulse control weakens and we, we give in to our craving. Right. So uh, it's, it's one aspect that can occur with addiction. But the two first aspects that occur with, with addictions is first sensitization, mm. uh, which causes cravings for whatever you're addicted to, and desensitization, which means the rest of things in your life aren't as exciting as your addiction. Right, right, totally. So you can see how that would mo motivate or demotivate you. Um, so the hypofrontality, is that, is that generalized? You're saying that's kind of like a change in the frontal cortex, which is generalized, or is it very specific to, you know, the... Uh, this this uh, so willpower would be like you know say I say I make a promise to myself I'm gonna I'm not gonna use internet porn this week and you know I succumb to it and is that is that the lack of willpower just for that or is it also related to other things in your life? Uh, well, in terms of the frontal cortex, it seems to be very specific sections of the frontal part of the brain mm. that are affected with addiction mm. that are there to uh, control our behaviors and make sure that we <laughs> that we act like a normal human. Mm. But it's really the part of the frontal cortex that is the impulse control. It's like if you get mad at your boss, it's a part of the brain that says that prevents you from punching them. Right. Or if you get mad at your spouse, it's a part of your brain that prevents you from screaming at them. Right, right, right. So it's a very specific part that seems to get affected, so you have less impulse control. Okay, so is that, but I'm saying is that generalized? in terms of, like the situations you just gave are like a very different, right? It's, it's not related to the internet porn itself. It's related to other areas of your life. Right. 
So is it generalized? And that's what they're still trying to study. Is mm. it definitely is seems to be generalized when you get into uh, severe drug addictions. Mm. The other behavioral addiction they've looked at uh, is gambling, mm. and it seems to be somewhat more generalized, but not as bad as the drug addiction. Okay, the reason I'm asking about this specifically is because something I've noticed over the years, like something we talk about in in helping men to you know improve this area of their lives, uh, like dating women and so on, is is uh, intent and is as, which is a part of inner game. It's kind of like your confidence and and how you are, how you are as a person, your self esteem. Um, but it's also intent, and in, intent is like. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, you want to achieve something in your career or business, you have an intent and there's things that get in your way. Um, you know, all sorts of complications, problems come up, barriers, which kind of sap some of your willpower, like we were talking about. Um, and if you don't have a strong enough willpower or intent, then, you know, you kind of give up halfway through and you don't make it, right? So, you know, I guess you can relate that to a lot of the kind of business advice and so on. Like they give to startups, for instance, it's like, you're going to have a hundred problems. You're going to have to like push over those. So it's all about persistence and so on. Um, but we talk about this also when it, when it comes to dating, because, you know, it's, it's, it's very usual to get rejections and so on in a dating sphere. And there's, there's going to be a lot of failures as you, as you learn and, you know, you just gain social skills and so on. So intent is also something that, you know, a, a girl, if you approach her, can feel. So if you don't have a lot of intent, it, it's something that psychologically she, she tends to pick up on. And it's not going to do you any favors if you don't have uh, a strong intent. So what we'd say is a strong in a game. And so this, for, for me, this kind of connects potentially with that. I don't know if you have ideas on that or any feedback on that. Well, you know, I, I think it's probably a bit more complex than, than to localize that to a specific part of the brain. But we yep. do know that the frontal cortex is definitely the part that drives us towards goals. Mm. And when it's inhibited, it's hard for us to reach our goals. Mm. So that part is known. Okay, great. Yeah, so... I, I want to touch in a little while on how, you know, on how strong the research is overall in this area about the stuff we're talking about. Because I know, you know, science is always evolving and uh, research is getting better, but, you know, um, that there's, there's only so far it can go um, in, in these kind of areas. Um, so what, one, one thing I wanted to touch on is kind of objectification of, of women um, and if, if that's something that's related to internet porn. And I've got a specific example I want to bring up afterwards, but just to get your first idea on that. Well, I, as you know, my, I'm 57. Yep. And so I'm, I'm reading all these descriptions by guys going through uh, giving up porn on these forums, thousands upon thousands of guys. And my observation is that Internet porn does definitely increase objectification of women. And it's one of the benefits that many of the guys report once they give up internet porn is that they not no longer see women as parts. They see them as people. They're looking into their eyes. Yeah. They're noticing their smile. So that's reported again and again and again that once they give up internet porn, it lessens the objectification. Right, right. And uh, like uh, actually objectification is something that can really go against you when it comes to uh, meeting women, so it's important beyond the the fact that it's 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 not good for society and and, and so on. So th this is like I'm glad you said there that um, basically 
that it can cause them to relate to parts of the women. Because my example kind of brings up this. Um, many years ago, it was about 10 years ago, I was, uh, I was a dating coach and I was training guys in uh, nightclubs and, and, and daytime. Basically, I would take them out into life um, for a whole day and, you know, show, show them how to talk to women and, you know, kind of, kind of live as a practice session. Um, and one guy, um, he actually, he flew from Switzerland. He flew, flew quite a long way to spend 12 hours with me doing this. And, um, really from the beginning of the day, I just, it, it wasn't going at all well for him. You know, he, he would, he would walk up to a girl and within a, a minute, basically be getting negative reactions. Uh, and it wasn't that, you know, he was really bad looking or anything like that. Um, and it took me a little while to figure out what, it took me about an hour to figure out what was going on. Um, but actually what was happening was that he'd approach them, he'd start talking to them and, and then just as a reaction, he would look down at their boobs and this was something, you know, that, that I saw and, you know, the girl would notice it, um, straight, yeah. straight away and she would get turned off, you know, that's kind of creepy behavior. Um, so, you know, she, she would get turned off and, um, you know, she'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go or, you know, whatever. She'd make some excuses and she'd leave. Um, and when I saw this, I was like, you know, you're doing this, right? You know, you, every time you approach, you look down at their boobs and, um, you know, you know, that's really creepy, right? So you've really got to cut that out if you, if you want to meet. And he was interested in meeting girls, you know, a girlfriend. It's not that, you know, that, that, that's what his interest was. And I didn't talk about it at the time, but actually for the rest of the day, I tried to get him to stop this, but it was, it was impossible for him. Um, every time he would just glance downwards, it was like some subconscious reaction. And now having, you know, read, read a bit about your site and so on, I'm wondering that if his actual problem behind that could have been the fact that, you know, he was watching a lot of internet porn at home and he was getting all this stimulation from seeing boobs all the time. Um, and, and now it was something that kind of like triggered him in, you know, in real life all the time. Well, you know, it's impossible to say it's normal for guys to look at parts. I mean, that's just the way guys are. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. One of the benefits that guys mention when they quit is say, oh my goodness, w more women are starting to look at me. Hmm. Now, is that really happening or is the behavior of the guys changing? such that they, one, notice the women, yeah. or simply their attitudes and these little tiny behaviors are altering so that they are more attracted to women. I don't know, but this is reported over and over again. Yeah, no, I, I, I really think it makes, it makes a huge difference just from, you know, uh, people I've spoken to and, and, you know, coached us in this situation over the days and people I've spoken to it. As I said before, like, you know, one thing we tell guys to do is just cut out the porn and, and the masturbation for a while. And it does make it, it make, surprisingly makes a big uh, improvement, especially for the guys who really aren't taking any action. Um, or oh, yeah. Getting, or they're getting immediate bad, bad reactions. Or other guys who have very low energy, uh, we call them very low energy. So if they're out just socially, they just seem to have very, very low energy. It seems to make a big difference with those, just as, you know, some interesting points um, on there. Yeah, I mean, that's what we see reported over and over and over again, just what you said. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad, we're, I'm, glad I'm relatively in, 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 in touch with uh, what you're no, saying and, as well. And that's the primary motivation for many of the guys to quit is to be able to chase real partners. Hmm. And they notice that they can. So it's a big deal. Yeah. And like, uh, as I was just touching on the, the girlfriend aspect, if you want to like, kind of connect with someone, because a lot of the guys, you know, they start looking into dating advice and stuff because they want a girlfriend. That's really their pure yeah. motivation behind it. Um, but I think this this kind of learnt 
objectification through you know through watching a lot of stimulation all the time can get in the way of that and they don't realize it they don't realize that they're kind of sabotaging that process of being able to connect with someone like you said before now they can look in the eyes you know and they can kind of get to know the person and and and, and get to be more interested in the conversation with with the person and so on look at the deeper aspects of that relationship yeah i mean that's what we see reported all the time is oh my goodness you know real women look great i now have the motivation to to you know, to pursue them. I want a girlfriend rather than just body parts. So we see these changes over and over again all the time. Right, right. And I'm guessing they're much happier um, afterwards, which is the end goal. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. They, they are thrilled uh, as long as, you know, again, part of them are having erectile dysfunction problems. So yeah. that, of course, plays into it too. And that's another story. Right. This now, so I just one thing I think we kind of missed out is um, I'm guessing this happens. We talked a bit about guys who aren't in relationships, uh, you know, and adolescents. How about guys who are in relationships or potentially married um, and, and so on? Is this is this something that you've seen is quite prevalent amongst them as well? Um, and, you know, if so, what kind of relationship problems are they dealing with? I mean, you've gone through erectile dysfunction, which I guess uh, affects anyone. But do you see a lot of people in relationships with this problem as well? Well, yes, and that was the primary group early on. And what they're doing it for many reasons. Some are doing it because uh, maybe their wife found out. Some are doing because, like, oh my God, I'm just tired of spending all my uh, sexual energy with the screen. Right. And what they find out uh, consistently is that they have much more attraction to their real partner hmm. once they quit. Now, it may take weeks to months because often they go through a low period. Yeah. Uh, but this is what they consistently say. And they're thrilled that, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm just I'm getting little flutters uh, looking at my wife naked and, and and sex is so much better and orgasms are so much better. And, oh, this is great. So great. this is what we see. This is what we see consistently also. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds really amazing. So uh, in, in in practical terms, assuming, you know, someone thinks he has this problem, you know, um, he has this issue. What, sh what should he do to fix this? How should he start going about fixing it? Well, you know, that's a big question because some people are, are truly severely addicted and they may have childhood issues and they may need therapy. Mm -hmm. However, a large portion uh, seem to not be like that and they simply attempt to stop. Now, that can be hard if you're addicted, so they do what many people do with addictions, they employ uh, support communities, mm -hmm. they do exercise, they may take up meditation, mm -hmm. they try to become more social, they take up hobbies, mm -hmm. you know, they do all those things to replace porn and right. also to make their brain feel much better so they can get through it. Okay, so, so it, that sounds like a key part of that is finding something to replace that dopamine um, injection they're getting from porn. So, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because you just can't white knuckle it all the time. You have to replace porn with something or with many things. Mm. And that would be, what are you supposed to replace it with? Well, you're supposed to replace it with people and fun activities and exercise and goals. That's what life's about. Excellent. That sounds like a very healthy way to approach this. For most people, is that enough? Like, What percentage of people do you, would you say oh. that that works for? You know, that's very hard to say. You know, I look at, we have what are called rebooting accounts where guys will finally write their whole story and it may be 90 days or six months or a year. And I look at those as like fossils. 
there's just a few that you'll find, you know, which represent so much more that went on. So it's hard for me to quantify, yep. you know, really answer that question. I wish I could. Okay. Yeah, well, I understand. I'm, I'm glad you're, you know, candidly telling us ex exactly how it is. That's just what we want to hear the truth. Okay. So, um, so, so I, I, you gave some timelines out there. Uh, yeah. Could you roughly estimate, I mean, you know, what ranges does it normally take, I mean, to be, people to get results and then to really kind of feel fully recovered from this and that they're, you know, they're in, in get fully engaged with their life and so on, or whatever, you know, what kind of ever addiction there was element that had changed their behaviors and so on, it's gone and they're like getting on with their life and everything's going great. Well, you know, that's the, uh, the hardest question to answer. So let's look at this. You know, some guys like on NoFap Reddit, they start seeing benefits within uh, a few days. Hmm. So I consider Normally, when you go uh, stop an addiction, you start to feel worse. <laughs> so these guys, I think, were just masturbating way too much mm. for for them, and they're starting to see that they feel better when they cut down on the level of masturbation. Now, for those who are addicted, they often go through withdrawal symptoms or just feel pretty bad for several weeks, mm. and then they can start feeling better in the second month and starting to see benefits. Mm. However, I'm going to say this again, there seems to be a definitive difference between the older guys uh, in their late 30s and 40s and 50s than the younger guys who grew up using internet porn. And those younger guys who are quitting because they're having sexual issues, this can go on for several months to a year uh, of having feeling not so well. And this is very disconcerting to me. So when you say feeling not so well, could you... What does that mean? Does that mean that they're, they've got these cravings or does it mean that they've got low energy and they feel sad and depressed or what, what does that mean? Yes, to both of those. So it's two major effects. First, the cravings, uh, those can come and go, but there's something that we call the flat line, right. which many, many guys report that they have a loss of libido and loss of sexual desire for maybe weeks to months and sometimes it goes wow. away and comes back. And that's not normal. I mean, that shows that something has changed because for a normal adult male to quit, let's say, masturbation or porn, they would generally become hornier and hornier. So this right. is unique to people who overuse porn. So that's the thing when I talk about not feeling well is they'll go into this flat line, come out of it, and maybe go back into it again. And it's, it's really hard to understand the mechanism behind this so-called flat line. Wow. Okay, so I mean, if you flatline, would it, would it be kind of quick? Quick, like would it be in within a few days of quitting um, internet porn? Like, because maybe that could be another signal that it's a problem for you. Yeah, here's the. This is why it's hard to understand. Mm. Is that sometimes it'll happen a week after someone's quit, sometimes mm. two weeks, and it's really hard to say what the mechanism is, mm. and it can last for a couple weeks or it can last for a couple months. Yeah, and that, and that's difficult because it is because. I mean, because it's kind of a negative reward, right? You're 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 saying like to get better, to get you know, um, to get to get your sexuality and everything back back to the norm, then you you're gonna have to quit porn. And then they get like a week later, they get this negative spike and they feel ten times worse, right? Kind of like a withdrawal of a heroin addiction or something. And they're like, they I bet they start reconsidering. They're like, well, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Oh yes, it scares the crap out of them, and they definitely reconsider. And that's why we've written articles about it, because many guys show up and they go, 
Well, I tried to quit and I started feeling worse and I lost my libido. So I know porn must be good for my libido and they don't understand that their brain is imbalanced. Right, right. So does everyone recover from that? Or are there some specific cases that you've seen that were kind of like flatline for a long time? I'm just trying to see how serious this can get. Well, there are some guys who, who have ED who are taking a very long time and I'm hoping that they can recover. Right. Or their ED may be caused by some medical condition that has yet to be identified. Mm -hmm. So young guys, some young guys are taking too long, in my opinion, and I, and I hope that they didn't mess themselves up with porn. Right. Uh, that's about all I can say at this point. Okay, great. So this is thing that's uh, in progress. It sounds like the adolescent aspect to this, the younger guys, so you're saying under 25s is the, the more worrying uh, trend at the moment for you. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing someone who was uh, over 30 who who had a long flat line and couldn't get out of it. Okay, great. I have like another thing I wanted to touch on because I guess it could be dangerous. Have have any of the guys kind of uh, turned to drugs or I don't know like uh, testosterone injections or any you know any of these other like uh, like basically basically jumping on the bandwagon of artificial uh, fixes for this. Um, and have you, you know, seen any negative experiences and have any warnings about that or anything like that? I, I, I don't remember seeing okay. too many cases of that at all. Oh, good. Because oh, once they read the information, they understand it's not about testosterone mm -hmm. and there's not too many other drugs. The only other drugs you could take are called dopamine agonists, which mimic dopamine. Yeah. And those, those can cause some serious, serious problems. Right. Right, so it's definitely something you shouldn't meddle with. The easiest thing is just to stop the porn and, and, and wait it out, basically. Yeah, and of course, absolutely get a medical checkup before you do this and, and check to see if there's any other condition which may be causing it. Great, great. Thank you, thank you, thank you Gary, for all of this. Now, l l last point, I just like I mentioned this before, um, is just uh, about the quality of research out there at the moment. So we've been talking, you know, about a lot of different aspects, and you've been good and really, you know, you've been really helpful because you've been you candid about, you know, what we can say and what we can't say. Where would you say research is at at the moment with this, and it's going, and um, is, there, is there a lot more to do in it, and is it going to be coming soon? Yeah, well, that's a huge question. Uh, the research is very poor uh, on this. Uh, there are virtually no brain studies on Internet porn. One supposedly came out about a month ago, but it was a joke. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I'll be honest with you, uh, what I've learned is that the people who are actually trying to do the research have an agenda to prove that neither porn or sex addiction exists and that it can cause any problems. So there are a few labs out there, mm. which is, uh, that's their goal. So th therefore, you can design any study any way you want right. to come up with those results. So just be aware of the studies and where they come out from. And we blog about them so you can get uh, right. another view of some of these studies. Okay. So you've looked at the floors of those studies and explained them in some of your blog posts, I guess. Yes, we have. Great. But really, there's there's no studies come out yet about uh, porn-induced ED or about uh, it causing sexual taste to change or causing any sexual problems. Uh, very little money goes to studies on such things. Mm. So it's, it's really in its infancy, unfortunately. 
Well, Gary, Gary, this has been a great tour of the subject, and, and we've got some great practical details here. If if some of the guys want to learn more about this uh, from you and, and what what you're doing, what are the top you know top three resources you'd recommend that they check out? Well, you can go to yourbrainonporn.com, and you can go to rebooting, and that describes the whole process of rebooting. So we have the tabs across the top. Yep. You can go to ED and porn tab if you have that problem. Or you can go to porn FAQs and as many questions that guys have asked over the years that we put answers to. My favorite, a lot of people watch Your Brain on Porn uh, six-part series. That's rather old. The best series uh, out there now by me is The Adolescent Brain Meets High Speed Porn. It's more up-to-date and it's actually a bit more entertaining. So it's up in the top right-hand corner and that will give you a quick rundown in about 30 minutes. Excellent, excellent. I'll include all those references in the show notes. The young guys need to understand that growing up watching porn is not the norm. We did not evolve with this. Yep. So it would behoove them to give it a break for a while to see if it has affected them. Right. Thank, thank you, Gary. This has been a tremendously interesting discussion, and I'm sure it's very useful for many of, our, many of the guys out there. So f thank you for coming in today. You bet. Thanks a lot. If you're using internet porn and today's episode hit a note with you, I hope it inspired you to do something about it. Why not take that inspiration right now and use it, do something with it? Go on a 30-day mission of no porn. It's pretty simple, but I'm betting that it'll have a pretty drastic impact on your inner game, your sexuality, your confidence, and your anxiety, and any sexual problems that you may be having, erectile dysfunction, and so on. So it's probably one of the smallest changes you could make to get the biggest results if you fit with today's discussion. To learn more about today's topic and Gary's work, check out the show notes where we have all the references Gary was talking about at the end of the show. You can get those at datingskillsreview.com slash DSP40. This week, we're giving away a free coaching call with me, Angel Donovan, for 30 minutes where you can discuss anything to do with dating, sex, and relationships and get your problems fixed. We're going to be selecting the best comment from today's episode. So it's on the same page, datingskillsreview.com slash DSP40 and comment on that page. What I'd like you to answer in the comments this week is this question. What can we do or avoid doing to program our brains for better inner game and healthier sexuality? So that doesn't have to be anything to do with internet porn. It can be absolutely anything. Everyday habits, things that you do or you don't do every day. These are the kind of things that could change the structure of your brain potentially. So I want to hear your ideas on that. Let me know what your thoughts are. The quote from today's interview is this. When you're watching an internet porn video, it really is shaping your sexuality. I like this quote from Gary because it's very straightforward and while most of us don't think much of internet porn or porn in general and that, you know, it kind of seems strange that it can affect us, you know, 
These are words from an academic, from someone who's looked into all of the research and he fully believes in it. And, you know, he's got a large following of men with problems in this area to kind of um, prove all of that. So it's really interesting that something so small can have such a big impact on our sexuality. But what I like about this quote is that it's telling us that we should be thinking about the small things in our lives that are shaping our sexuality and our inner game. So that's something I'd like to leave you with. What else in my life that doesn't seem so big, that is insignificant, could be having a big impact on my inner game and sexuality and, at the end of the day, stopping me from getting the results I want in this area of my life? When you're watching an internet porn video, it really is shaping your sexuality. Dating Skills Podcast is brought to you by DatingSkillsReview.com, the number one men's source for dating, sex, and relationships advice. Get the cutting-edge advice now and create your ideal dating lifestyle.